0: health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs learn more at uh1.com i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs. By which I mean wise sayings a man may live by If he's not so arrogant as to think himself special Episode 44 We may be through with the past But the past ain't through with us Today's proverb is unattributed Though it is German, I'll read it twice The apple does not fall far from the tree Once more, the apple does not fall far from the tree. This proverb dates back at least to the 16th century. It's very old. People have been saying this for a long time. It dates from a time when everyone believed that Mother Nature could teach us something about human nature. This proverb comes from a time when it was understood that human nature could be discerned just by watching the leaves change in the fall. You could know something about yourself by looking at the world. And I suppose this is simply the case, back uh, in a time when most people believed that man was made from the earth itself in the Christian era, when the earth is not thought to be antithetical to man, the earth is not thought to be um, a curse for man but that man and earth have this important reciprocal sort of relationship, and that man is made of the earth, and then man is given custody of this thing by which he was made. We're made to subdue the earth. We're made to subdue ourselves as well. Man is made of the earth, and the earth must be subdued. And so we all have to learn how to control ourselves. But um, we don't live. In such a world, really, anymore We don't view the earth as our mother And uh, even over the last several years I'm regularly amazed at the, the way that the, the expression Mother Earth disturbs conservative Christian people and it might have something to do with the fact that uh, the expression Mother Earth has been uh, you know, co-opted by environmentalists and uh, that it may even have some sort of, um, you know, Wiccan quality to it now, this idea that, uh, or the expression Mother Earth conjures up uh, images of, um, you know, crystal shops and New Age philosophy and um, that sort of foolishness. But the expression Mother Earth is far, far older than all that, or Mother Nature is, is far, far older than all of that. And, and the idea that, uh, that nature is a sort of nurturing, instructing mother to mankind is a basically Christian idea. I mean, I say this as someone uh, who supports absolutely no environmentalist ideologies that I can name, no, you know, supports no clubs um, that, are, that are bent on, uh, you know, ending greenhouse emissions or this kind of thing. Um, but if you, if you search older literature, you just find over and over again that the Earth, in specific, although nature in general, Um, is regarded as this kind of uh, school marm. You know, this sort of uh, instructor um, that shows us how to do well. That the earth itself teaches man how to do well. Mother nature teaches us how to do well. Um, If you read uh, Edmund Burke's Reflections on the Revolution in France, you find this all over his book. Not the expression mother nature or mother earth. But the idea that All successful human institutions have to be modeled on nature. Burke uh, constantly returns to this idea and criticizes progressivists as being overly abstract, that that their theories are not based on an observation of nature, that their institutions are not based on an observation of nature. Or as he said, common sense dictates that we look at the Earth which abides forever, as Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, and that we create our own stable institutions um, that are modeled off of the earth's stability. Fascinating examples that he gives at various points of uh, the stability of the earth uh, or the stability stability of a forest, say, um, being dependent on the fact that not all of the trees are old, not all of the trees are saplings, and not all of the trees are mature at the same time. That a healthy forest has old, mature, and young trees in it. And that in order to survive, it must have all these things. And he uses this fact. Edmund Burke, father of conservative political philosophy, uses this fact about forests Uh, to attack French revolutionary ideas that want to hew down the whole of society and rebuild it up from nothing. And Burke says that's not how nature works. You're not going to create anything stable unless you follow the pattern of nature. So, you know, that's kind of a a lengthy introduction uh, to this proverb, the apple does not fall far from the tree. You know, there's nothing here, there's nothing in the proverb about human beings you're supposed to figure out that this is about people it's just a fact about nature it's a fact about trees that when an apple tree uh, produces fruit the apples never get that far away from it and you're supposed to figure out something about human nature from this fact if you've never lived near an apple tree this claim's not going to make any sense at all. In fact, most proverbs don't make any sense to people who have no connection with nature. If, you, if you've uh, you know, never seen an animal in the wild, if you've never uh, grown anything on your own, if you've, ne- if you've never taken a long walk in the woods, have you never played in the woods as a kid? Like Proverbs are not going to make a whole lot of sense to you. The concept of human nature, the idea that human beings have a nature, generally only makes sense to people who don't live in cities. Like, if you live in a city and you don't see a lot of nature, then you don't understand human nature, because nature itself teaches you. Mother nature teaches you about human nature. But let's dive into this proverb. It's a famous saying which is often simply taken to mean that children aren't all that different from their parents. Most children turn out like their parents. This is a proverb that you could say to a child or to a child's parents and potentially annoy them both equally. It is sometimes said as praise. Maybe your friend's child does something brilliant, and to praise your friend, you say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But that's not normally the way that this proverb is used. I rarely hear this proverb being said to make people feel good. It's more often said in an attempt to reconcile broken relationships between fathers and sons. When you have some father and some son who can't stand each other, someone says this proverb to either one of them in an attempt to show both father and son just how much alike they are. Now, I think that you can annoy a child and a child's parents with this proverb, but let's face it, the person more likely to be annoyed by this saying is the child. If you've got some boy complaining about his father and you say, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, there's very little chance that a boy who's upset at his father is going to pause and think about that for a minute, take a deep breath, and then move on with his life. It's one of those proverbs that you deny, at least if you're a child. If you're a child and you hear this proverb, you say, Nope, not true. No. And then you start listing all the people for whom this is true. You say, no, I know what the saying means. And I've certainly seen it many times. And it's true enough for many of my friends who take after their fathers. But it's not true with me. Children do not like to hear this. Adults are far more likely uh, to hear this with humility. And that's because fathers are older and it's more likely that a father has lived long enough to see the cyclical nature of the world and to be unoffended by it. And to know that the cyclical nature of nature is unavoidable, cannot be beaten, cannot be driven out young man's more likely to defend himself by saying, I'm nothing like my father. At least during a certain phase of life, during a very important phase of life, I'd say between 18 and 27, a young man does not like to hear that he's a lot like his father. Parents, another reason why parents are more comfortable with this saying is because they can recall being as young as the child that's annoying them, that's vexing them. Now, I don't want to make adults out to be necessarily the good guys in this saying, because we've all met parents who openly despise their children. But those people are rare. They're far more rare than children who despise their parents, at least between the ages. At least the young man. young man's more likely to despise his parents than an old man is to despise his son, his daughter. This proverb has a physical meaning and a spiritual meaning as well. Each meaning is fascinating in a totally separate way. And I would almost say that I need two separate shows on this one proverb just to investigate these two meanings that the proverb has. One, the physical side, the other, the spiritual side. The physical meaning, I think I want to be brief in discussing the physical meaning of this proverb because I want to more to say on this subject and I keep finding proverbs that seem fitting to discuss family. Maybe it's because it's December. I've been thinking a lot about family lately. I've been thinking a lot about how family is different than friends, that we often speak of family and friends. In the same breath. And yet I've been mulling over the differences between family and friends f- for weeks now. Maybe not just weeks, maybe it's more like months. Um, when I started this show uh, about a year ago, I anticipated saying quite a bit about nature, right? The very first episode, the proverb that was the impetus behind the show, you may drive out nature with a pitchfork, but she keeps coming back. That was the proverb that made me want to talk about problems. It made me want to talk about common sense. And an awful lot of... um, Shows that I've done in the last year are about common sense and nature. But uh, I didn't expect so much of the show, or so many shows, to turn on the subject of parents' relationships with their children. And I'm finding that most proverbs are about common sense. They are about nature, human nature. But so much wisdom about human nature is about parents' relationships with their kids. There are a number of proverbs that are about friendship as well. But the proverbs that turn your heart over are about... Family. The physical meaning of this proverb, the apple does not fall far from the tree, is that everyone has a lot in life. And the odds are quite high that your lot is not all that different from your father's lot most people rise to the economic level of their parents. If your father makes 80000 a year, there's a good chance you will too. If your father's rich, there's a good chance you will be too. A capitalist society creates the possibility of upward and downward mobility, but There's still something very medieval about the world despite the intrusions of capitalism and consumerism and the death of an aristocratic culture and patronage, despite the loss of all that rigid traditionalism and stability, most people end up like their parents. And it was simply a, you know, a matter of fact a thousand years ago. If your father's an onion farmer, you're going to be an onion farmer, too. If your father's a butcher, you're going to be a butcher. Our taste often runs very similar to that of our parents. And it's hard to separate taste and economy. You can't have a taste for things that you can't afford You can't have a taste for things that you've never had. So for this reason, the foods that we like, the shows that we like, the music that we like, that's often very similar to that of our parents. We want to believe that there's a greater difference between our parents' taste and our taste. We wanna believe that it's really important that we are willing to pay $14 for a pound of coffee, whereas our parents are only willing to pay 8 We think that these things are very important, that these differences are very important. And it's fascinating to hear people critique the taste of their parents as though it's really different. Especially, uh... You know, for anybody who's coming of age, entering the fullness of their career, this decade or last decade, uh, in a time when certain sorts of stores are um, dying, dying out. Uh, oh, I think of um, you know restaurants like TGI Fridays and Chili's and Applebee's and Golden Corral and all these sorts of restaurants. Um, It's tempting for people my age, 39, um, who like to buy, you know, $7 tacos (laughs) from people who have well-curated Instagram accounts and food trucks that you have to track down. It's common for people like me to... Laugh at, you know, Ruby Tuesdays, Applebee's, like there's some kind of huge difference. And, uh, you know, among people in their 30s, those sorts of restaurants are now seen as older people's sorts of restaurants. Um, The sorts of restaurants that do not produce um, fashionable-looking food for their social media accounts, uh, the sorts of restaurants where the draw is how cheap it is, as opposed to uh, young people, you know, people in their 20s and 30s today who, who pride themselves on how expensive the food is that they buy, how expensive the drinks are that they buy. Although it really seems to me the longer I think about it, I mean, I, there are people out there. I don't know how old you are, noble listener. I don't know how old you are, but there's a lot of people my age who think it's it's really uh, significant the difference between you know some hipster taco stand and some rather conventional Mexican restaurant uh, that doesn't have an Instagram account, doesn't have a purpose doesn't support some local political cause. The food is not, you know, shade-grown, dolphin-safe, fair trade, organic, small-batch, barrel-aged hamburger, you know, whatever. Um, but But the longer I think about it, the more I think that our parents are simply willing to spend money on things that we're not, and we're willing to spend money on things that our kids are not. And then as opposed to this being a radical difference in taste, it's really just kind of shifting the dollars around a bit. I imagine that that's what it looks like to any outsider. That what we perceive as significant differences in taste are minimal differences to anybody coming from some kind of Authentically uh, or genuinely outside culture. Like you bring somebody from Papua New Guinea to the United States and try to explain the difference between um, coffee that's $8 a pound that you buy at Food Lion and coffee that's $14 a pound that you buy from somebody who has over $4,000 worth of tattoos on his torso. Like you explain, this is a profound difference. No one's going to understand that but you. You, know, all, you have to become fixated on these differences and assign profound meaning to these differences because it gains you some leverage. It convinces you that you're not like your parents, if that's important to you, if it's really important for you to prove to yourself that you're not like your parents. Eventually, you quit... Caring about making yourself different than your parents. I think that's why adults respond better to this claim, the apple does not fall far from the tree, than their children do. Eventually, you just get too tired. You become too tired, too played out, in chasing down minimal differences between you and your parents. And you start to recognize that the spiritual similarities are all there. That you have the same temperament. When you start to realize that your parents taught you which virtues are important. And that your parents taught you how to sin. And that you taught your children how to sin. I don't remember if I've told this story on a previous show or not. But at my bachelor party 14 years ago. This fellow came up to me and said, and he'd been married for a couple years, he came up to me and said, get ready to turn into your father. I said, what do you mean? And he said, it'll happen a couple months from now. You will find yourself Saying things that you've never said before, but which you've heard your father say countless times. And you will even say these things in the exact same way that your father said them. And you will say these things to the same or on the same occasions that your father said these things. I don't remember whether I was incredulous of this claim or not. But he was entirely right. It was about two or three months later. From the point this happens for the first time, from the point you hear yourself say something as your father for the first time, it only happens more and more. The frequency with which it happens grows leaps and bounds as soon as you have children. I bet pretty much everybody says, time to get ready for bed, the exact same way it was said to you when you were younger. You say it with a sense of exhausted relief. You say it almost in victory. We've, we've made it another day. I am a success. <laughs> My children are still alive. We're all still here in the house. Your parents not only teach you to tell your children to go to bed, they even teach you how to feel about telling your children that it's time to go to bed. And you teach your children how to feel about it. Now, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, which is to say there is some movement. It is not possible for two apple trees to occupy the same space at the same time. It's against the laws of physics. And so the apple rolls 10, 20 feet away. And then 25 years later, it rolls another 20 feet away. And then 25 years after that, another 20 feet. And that's what you've got to work with as a parent. Those 20 feet, the 20 feet that the apple rolls from the spot where it lands. That's, that's where conceivable, doable progress sits. 20 feet, that's all you get. Even on a budget,